Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. My, my heart usually burns with one message, really. Um, it's like, if you were to ever ask me, you know, hey, what, what's on your heart? What's the Lord putting on your heart? Usually, it's the same thing. And it's a message that has set me free. It's a message that it's very simple. It's the simple gospel. And I just believe, though, that for a long time, see, I, um, I might have said it maybe a couple times, but I've been walking with the Lord now for about 14 and a half years, almost 15 years. And for the first 11, 12 years, I missed it. And I didn't have the foundation of what I needed to build upon. And if you miss it, it's drastic. It's very drastic. And I, it's my personal belief that God is restoring in our day the gospel again. And when I say gospel, it's like some, sometimes people view, they have their own perspective of gospel. Or it's not just church. It's not a genre of music. It's the good news of Jesus. The word gospel actually comes from a word, um, uh, evangelion. And this word literally just means good news, right? I don't know, some of you are probably familiar with the gospel meaning good news. But the thing that I see, and I think that I know that it happened in my life, and again, it's not, it's not every ministry, it's not, it's not every church, but if we can be honest with ourselves, when we look out at the church as a whole, at least in America, when we look out at the church as a whole, I believe that the gospel has been greatly reduced and, and, and misunderstood and mistaken. And I feel like we've gotten, you ever watch a show and at the end of the show, it leaves you with like a cliffhanger and you're like, they can't leave it there. Like what's going to happen next? Like, you know, and unless you're watching it on Netflix now that we can binge <laughs> shows we haven't done that in a while, but now that you can watch it on Netflix, sometimes you have that ability to just see what's right next, right? Sometimes you have to wait and you're like, oh, I can't believe they did it. And I feel like we've done that with the gospel. We, we've, we, we started it and we're like, guess what? Jesus came. You don't have to go to hell anymore. He died for your sins. And now you get to be with, with him forever in heaven, right? And that's, and that's good news. That's great news. But it's, not the, it's like the cliffhanger. Okay, now what? What about these next 50 years? What about these next 80 years that I live on the earth? What does it look like to be a Christian? And if we can be honest with ourselves, what are Christians known for right now? I'm just going to be real. I'm just going to be humble and real. And I'm putting myself in this. I'm not pointing the finger. Jesus said that we would be known by our love. And this they will know that you are, you are my disciples, how you love one another. If we were to take a poll, even in this room, or if we were to just walk the streets of Apopka and just ask them random questions, like, hey, what, you know, you've encountered Christians before, right? You might, maybe you're one, or what do you, what do you think of, of Christians? What, you know, they might say, oh, you know, most of them are nice people. Some people might have really bad things to say. Some people might say, man, they're hypocrites. They say one thing, do another. People just offended at God. But I really 
struggle to believe that they would say, oh man, they're just, those guys are full of love. Like, I, I feel like we're heading to a day where even though the world may look at Christians and say, man, those Christians are a little crazy sometimes. You know, I mean, think about it. If someone that doesn't know God comes into a room and we're praying in tongues, they're gonna look at us funny. I mean, it's just, it's just truth. Or some of the things also, sometimes you just, the weird, you meet the weirdest people in churches sometimes. I'm just honest. And, um, and um, I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's just being around the ministry for a while. Those who have know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyways, as Christians, we're, we're, we're not known for the thing that Jesus said we would be known for. It says that as he is, Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. It also says that anyone who abides in him ought to walk as he walked. And what we realize is that Jesus, it says that he was the firstborn among many brethren. He was the example of our lives. He was not the exception. And a lot of times we limit the way that Jesus walked and we say, well, he was God. But Philippians 2 says that he laid aside all his godly, he didn't lay aside his deity, he remained God, but he didn't use that to his own advantage. He actually took, he, Jesus shows us a picture of what it looks like for a man or a woman possessed by the Holy Spirit to live out this Christian life, right? Christian life means Christ-like, like little Christ one, little anointed one. And that is what, and so if I can remember, right, if I can think, there's, there's two ways that I normally picture the gospel being presented. And to be honest, again, this is not, um, I believe that most of what's been presented has been completely sincere. Like, I mean, the most sincere people, I'm not saying like, are there some that take advantage of the church system? How many know the church has become a system sometimes? Has there some that taken advantage of it? Sure, it's not good, but God will deal with that. But I think most of what's been presented as the gospel has actually been sincere. And I was one like that. And the things that I used to believe just a few years ago, I, I look at it now and I'm like, no wonder I was bound. I mean, I believed in those things. And, and I'll get to what I'm talking about here as I go farther in this message. Um, but, one, but one way is this, right? We, like I just briefly mentioned, we get, I, I remember when I first got saved, I, it, it was like, I'm going to be 33. It was, I think I was like 11 or 12. My mom might remember. I don't, I don't remember. I know I was in seventh grade. I had a genuine encounter with Jesus, right? But leading up to that, there was this guy um, and it was, I, it was um, this guy that was having these Bible studies and stuff with my sister and my brother-in-law. And he would get like a whole group of us and we would get into this room uh, in the living room and he would just like, talk to us about the gospel. He, we would watch videos and um, man, I wanna, I wanna meet this guy again. I gotta find him some way to just let him know like, dude, you have no idea the seeds that you planted in my life. But anyways, this is an example, you know? So when I first came to God, it was pretty much the heaven or hell message. If you know what I mean? It was, it was hey, listen, not exactly like this, but in a nutshell, this is how it was presented. Okay, there's this place called heaven, right? God's there. It's where God lives. And it's amazing. It's awesome. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. It's going to be great. There's angels. There's just beautiful stuff. And then you have this place called hell. Again, I'm saying this in a brief way. And of course, when I was a kid, there's this place called hell. So I'm just learning. And that's where the devil is. And you don't want to be there. And it's full of pain and anger and anguish and torment and all that. And 
So it's like, okay, someone gets presented that and then they say, hey, well, but Jesus made a way and he died for you to forgive you so that you can one day be in heaven. And so of course, I mean, it's not like you're gonna sit there and be like, let me think of that one. Hell, torment, heaven. I mean, I think I'll take heaven, right? It's, it's very simple and easy to, to think, okay, you know what? Who is this Jesus that came for me and died for me, right? And so that's, that's one way, right? But then what happens is we get Jesus, we find out, yes, he died for me and he forgave me, but then what happens then? So then we also get presented with all of a sudden now, okay, my place is secure in heaven. I have an eternal place, eternal position. And then Jesus now forgives me of my sins. But then the thing that I see happening a lot in the body of Christ, and every time it just gets me like, oh Lord, I know there's so much more. I know there's so much more. Because we, we end up like, barely hanging on. You know what I mean? Like we're like barely hanging on and we're just, we, we like barely make it. We're dragging to the church. We need a word. We always need encouragement. We're, we're always mountain valley. We're always roller coaster. And, and that's not the Christian walk. The Christian walk is one of power, of love, of freedom. That's what Jesus paid the price for all of us to walk into every single person every single person. And we've seen enough of the people on the pulpits with the microphone making you guys dependent on us. When you know what the Bible actually says about the, the pastors, the prophets, the teachers, it's for the equipping of the saints to equip you. Why? Or until you guys now have your own relationship with God, right? You were never meant to depend on another man or another woman. And the church has made it a system. And I'm not even trying to go into that right now. There's a point that I want to get to today that is very, very critical to the walk, to your walk in God. And I'm going to be comparing old covenant versus new covenant because I believe we get them mixed up very often. We're in the new covenant and many times without knowing, we live as if we're in the old covenant. What I'm about to say might sound very different to what we've always grown up believing because I know, like I said, up to a few years ago, I believed a certain way and then I started seeing this message being released and everything just made sense and it was in the word. It's like, you know how when you look through the word through a certain perspective, you, you look through anything through a certain lens, you will read it through that lens. You know what I mean? Like for instance, if you, if you always think that God is an angry God or he's an upset God and, and he's always just uh, punishing us or doing stuff like that. Every time you read this word, this word is life. In it is life. And every time you read it, then you're going to view it through the lens. Well, God is this way. So when he says something, I'm going to picture him with a stern face. Right? You know what I'm saying? How about, how about give you more a natural example? Text messaging. Great for communication. My preferred way. But think about this. How many times, how many people know that there are times where it takes us picking up a phone and talking to someone simply because of the miscommunication that can happen through a text, right? How, yeah, everyone's saying amen to that because it's, it's so true. Like, how many times has a fence started because I wrote or someone wrote a text message, even dropped some emojis in there of smiley faces, and somehow the person on the other end took it wrong? 
because they were viewing it through a lens. They preconceived what I was and how I was saying it or whoever. And now they read it that way. That's what happens when we read the word, when we have a false paradigm of who God is. We have this amazing God. We believe the lies of the devil in our minds. We think it's us. We fight our own self. And it's just this constant circle, constant circle. I was stuck in that circle for years. And even now, even now that I know the truth, it, it tries to get me and I have to like keep my mind straight and, and confess truth over me. But anyway, so what I'm about to do is there's a, there's a, a view, right? And again, anything I ever say, anything Donnie ever says, Pastor Donnie, anything Matt ever says, anything you ever hear us say, search the word for yourself. The reason I'm I'm saying all this is because most of the church still holds, excuse me, still holds a sinner saved by grace paradigm. We are, to them, this is, so I'll use, I'll go back to my illustration, right? Most of the church believes, again, not everyone, but when you see the gospel presented, most of it views like this. We have us here, sinful nature. We have this thing called grace now the grace of God, and it covers our sin. It covers it, but our nature doesn't change. So we remain sinners saved by grace, which when you really think about it, it's quite an oxymoron. You really can't be both. And I'll explain myself. People get confused. And I, I'm telling you, I'm a thinker. So like any questions that go through other people's head, I promise I've probably asked the same and then some. <laughs> when I was first, I was just thinking about script. But what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And I was just thinking of all this. And what happens is what we do, and I, I believe what has been done to even get a message this way is we've allowed our experience, like how we actually live it, we've allowed that to determine what the truth says. So it's like this. Truth says we died and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. Truth says so many scriptures I'll get into about us being crucified and us dying to our old self and being a new creation. But then we, we, we mess up, right? Because how many know Christians are still able to sin? right? I'm not saying we're never going to sin. I'm not saying that. We have the ability. Here's another, here's another perspective. <clears throat> Let me ask you real quick. Adam and Eve, were they, this is like, I want you guys to cooperate in this one. Adam and Eve, were they sinners? No, no, no. Before they sin, right? When they're, when they're first created, before this happened, were they sinners? No, right? Good. Perfect. Okay? That's easy. Now, my next question. Did they sin? Absolutely. So that shows us something. That means they had the ability to sin, but they were not sinners. I remember being in prayer one time and God just dropping this on me. I'm like, that, this was just one of those Holy Spirit revelations. No one taught me this. And then I've heard other people say it, but I'm, I'm praying and I'm, and I'm reading and I'm like, oh my goodness. Again, it goes, it goes to show you that perspective. When, when, the, when, when the message of righteousness started being opened up to me and my identity, who I was, all of a sudden when I read the word, it wasn't judging me. It was giving me life, right? Because that's what happens. The word will judge us if, we, if we're reading it the wrong way. God never meant that. 
God so loved the world that he, that he came and he gave his only son. And so anyways, what we do is we sin and we like, oh man, see, okay, I know the, well, that must, that must not mean that then because I just can't stop sinning. Maybe it means this. So then we put something called positional righteousness and we believe that we're just positionally right before God. But it doesn't say that. Let me, let me, bring, let me bring a scripture here, right? Where is it at? Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's powerful, thanks. <laughs> so did Jesus become sin figuratively or positionally, or did he really become sin? We know that he became sin on the cross to take on the punishment for our sake. So the same way he became sin, it says that now we become the righteousness of God. We become it. it we are partakers of the divine nature, Second Peter says. It's so, it's so good. Like, like this is the good news. Like the gospel, again, it feels like we've been left on a cliffhanger. And like, wait, that's great news. But Jesus came to, to, to give us good news, the good news of his salvation. But it goes farther than that. It goes into kingdom, living, freedom. And then we trump hell for a living instead of always feeling like, Man, pray for me, pastor, man, pray for me. I've been, and you know what? I used to be that guy. That's the thing. I used to, every time somebody asked me, how you doing? I'm all right, you know, because I didn't want to lie, but I was like, I was always roller coaster, never, never stable. And anyways, let me get back to this. So we have grace now comes, <clears throat> most people believe, I even looked this up, like I was curious and I looked it up. Before I'm like, you know, let me Google and let me, let me see. And, and sure enough, like some of the, the most, uh, not ministries, most like um, online things that come up during Google, when you ask them, when you, when you Google what is righteousness and what they say, it's still stuck on this positional thing. And, that, and, and when you believe you're still this, you're, you're never going to fight the fight of faith. You're going to fight the wrong fight. It's going to fight against yourself. And you're going to be fighting the devil and, and, and all along, God is like, hello, I already took care of him. Focus on me. And so then we have, a lot of times, we view it as, man, I got to mess up here. We view it as Jesus comes and now the father relates to us through Jesus, right? But then it's, but you ever heard people say, when the father looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus, right? I'm not going to knock that. That's, that's partly true. Here's all I'm saying. That can be confusing because I believe that when God looks at you, he sees you. Like, yes, through the blood of Jesus. So don't get me wrong. It, it is through the blood of Jesus that he sees you. But it's because, now let me keep going. So what we, what we do, right? We still have our sinful nature that we think and we go and we try to remove sin. You know, we're given a tool. This is my tool. This can be, well, let's see, someone gets saved. I know what we got to do. Let's give them a to-do list. Man, you just got saved. Hey, this is what you got to do, man. You got to read this much of the Bible. 
You have to, man, you should really go to Bible study. And, and, I, and I get it. I get it because you want people to be connected. But we have to get to a place where we no longer tell people what to do and who you are. It is a byproduct. It happens naturally. It happens naturally. When this message came on me and I realized my righteousness in God, I promise you there were things that used to bother me that literally fell off. It fell off. It, I, I didn't even... Months and months later, and I realized, man, I haven't even had temptations of anything. Like, it's like, it, you know what it does? Because it's not just about a revelation. This, the revelation, what that does is it sets us up for intimacy with God. That is the key. Revelation and, and our righteousness is the door for what? Intimacy. But we have all these things that are hindering us from being intimate with God. We have all these things. And so here we are again with our to-do list. Man, I'm going to try to read this much today and I'm going to try to pray. And dang, I didn't pray enough, man. And, and, and in, this, in this life here, you, there, there's, there's never enough. There's never enough. Every time you can always do more. You can always give more. You can always say more. It's a life of shame, guilt, and condemnation. And the old covenant was the ministry of condemnation. The new covenant, the ministry of righteousness. The old covenant pointed us towards righteousness. The new covenant provides it for us. It says in Romans 4, I think, that Abraham believed God and it was counted as righteousness. He believed him. Now, he didn't have the nature of God. It was counted to him as righteousness. And that's where we get imputed righteousness. We believe that we're not really righteous. Like we're, grace covers us, but we still have the same nature. And again, when you think that way, it is a very hard Christian life. It's, it's really hard, and it wasn't meant to be that way. And so here, let me read some scripture here. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I wish I would have been able to get the scriptures up there. I'm sorry for that. Um, Colossians 3.3, 3, for you have died, past tense, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I said it a few moments ago, Galatians 2.20. <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. It says our old self was crucified. So when I read now, this guy here, and again, there, there, there's other questions that will get raised that for sake of time, it's like this message goes deeper. But here's what really happened. This guy, according to scripture, he's dead. And he no longer lives and he long, no longer has power. What we deal with now are the lies. We deal with our mind. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. Be transformed. So instead of us as Christians... We, we, we doubt and we question our nature. We should really be questioning what we're thinking. 
I preached like a month ago and I said, what you believe determines the fruit that you produce. What you believe. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he, the Bible says. Be transformed. You know, I love in Mark chapter one, Mark one, Jesus shows up on the scene. Let me go to that. Mark one, Jesus, it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's interesting that I have this cool addition now to this app, right? That it has like Strong's, it's called Strong's Concordance attached to it. It'll show you like the original meanings of Greek and stuff like that because the Bible was translated from Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic into one language. And what happens with that is we have like 5,000 words in one language trying to be condensed to 1,000 words or something. Like that's the kind of what I'm saying. So what happens with that, it's not that it's flawed, but when they convert it to English, we lose some of the sense of it. So, so it's cool in your Bible study, it's cool to like have tools like that that you can go see. Repent, most of the time we think repent, what do we normally think? Like turn away from your sins, right? Repent. You sinned, ask God for forgiveness. That's what we normally think repent is. True. But when Jesus is saying repent here, the word actually means to change one's mind. To change one's mind. So Jesus shows up on the scene, declares repent, change your mind and believe in the good news. And he came declaring the father. And so here we have, remember the old guy's dead. Any man, anyone who's in Christ, new creation. It says the old has passed away. Behold, all things that become new. So we're this new creation. God kills off the old man. We're a new creation. And now Jesus, this is the amazing part. Jesus comes, lives inside of us. And now we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Life in the Godhead. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. Sons of the most high. With the nature, it says that we have been partakers of the divine nature, the righteousness of God. He gives us his very own righteousness. I love Mike Bickle of International House of Prayer. He used to say this all the time. He said that you will never be more righteous than you are right now. And to some people, that's bad news because you're thinking, what you mean? <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm righteous. And that's because, again, we base our righteousness off of what we do. And righteousness is first a being word. It's not a doing word. We will do. We, 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 we are not only hearers of the word, but doers, right? But righteousness is all about being. It's now who you've become. And it's so key. Because if you get this, if you get this, the striving will end. The striving will end. I have some more scriptures that I want to read. I know I've said a few. I want to read it here, though. Second Peter one, verse four, by which he had granted, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, divine nature, God's nature. He's given us his 
righteousness, his very own righteousness. If I can have the worship team. I want to bring some things to a point here and what I've been trying to communicate. And I am still learning how to communicate um, just these realities because they're very simple realities, but they're, it's like when you're a pioneer for something, it's not laid out all the way for you and you're figuring it out as you go. And so it's, it's sometimes it's hard to just articulate exactly what's going on in your heart. So it's like I constantly, I'm asking God, God, give me grace, speak to me, help me. But I wanna, I wanna read. You guys have your Bibles? You can join me in your phones. I'm gonna finish with reading this because I, everyone turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. And I'm gonna read a little portion of it. The thing that I see is that, like I was saying earlier, oftentimes we, we relate to God under Old, Old Testament, Old Covenant laws, and the law was done away with. We're in the law of grace, right? The law was done away with. Jesus came to remove sins, not to cover them, to remove them. I'm going to read in Hebrews 10, and some of it, I'm going to stop, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but some of it doesn't even really need um, explaining. It's so clear, but I just want to explain a little bit of where I'm coming from. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For since the law was but a shadow of good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. It can never, it can never. Old covenant, all the sacrifices they had to make and the coverings, it can never make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, verse two, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins? So he's saying, if that would have done it, then we wouldn't continue to have consciousness of sin. If the old covenant laws and, the, and the, uh, the sacrifices were made and it would have really done something, then it never really worked. Look, but in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. Does Jesus remember our sins? I hope not, right? It says that he's, he's removed them as far as the east is from the west. Remember our sins no more. But in these sacrifices, the reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. What did John the Baptist say? Behold, the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. That's so key. It was impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It could only cover it. Righteousness could only be imputed to us. In the Old Testament, God looked at them who believed and who did the sacrifices. He, he can look at them through righteousness. In the New Testament, we have become it. The new covenant, we have become it. When Christ came into the world, he said, 
This is Jesus talking to the Father. He said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. This, this just explains that it was never God's will. It was never God's desire for it to remain that way. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt, and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. That's so key. He does away with the first. He does away with the first. It's gone. It's dead in order to establish the second. Let me just ask you this. Why would we think? Why did Jesus come? If, if he just came to cover our sins, what was the point? Yes, yes, to get cover us in his blood, to get to heaven. But if, if, if the old ways worked, why would... Why would Jesus come? Was he really going? I love, back to this illustration, right? We, we did it on my, uh, um, we did it with our kids, right? And I showed them and I wanted to know, Melanie's like, babe, before you explain, just like ask them what they think, right? And we wanted to get a childlike answer because childlike faith is amazing. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, many people know that, basically saying you're never gonna get it. A child receives, easy. If I were to take my kids out here right now, one of my kids and I reach in my pocket and hand them a $5 bill, they're gonna grab that thing and run with it. They're not gonna ask why. They're not gonna say, I'm not worthy. They're not gonna say, let me earn it. Yeah, right, they don't wanna earn it. They don't wanna work for it. <laughs> we cannot earn anything. And if there's one thing I can relay from this message that I'm trying to communicate is that we would just stop with all the striving and all the doing and just accept what Jesus has given to us. I feel like, I mean, he's not mad at us for it, but I feel like it's like a, it's just like a slap in the face almost. Like when we, when we try to, you know that term? Like when we try to do things in our own strength, we're like telling God, it's okay, God, I can do this. He's like, no, you can't read the Bible. They tried to for thousands of years. It didn't work. I came to do it for you. That's the good news. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.